Africa State of Mind with Lee Kasumba. Get it on iTunes now. Welcome to Africa State of Mind with Lee Kasumba. This is episode seven. I just cannot actually believe uh, the momentum that we're gaining with uh, this podcast. So excited and so humbled with the kind of guests that we've been able to get on the podcast. Today is no exception. I know that I keep on saying that I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And the person that all the people that we're interviewing are so amazing. But when I tell you who it is that our guests are today, you're going to understand why it is that I'm really excited. Uh, this time around, it's, it's not often that you get one icon on a podcast, but to get two people who are iconic, who are leaders in their field, who are globally relevant, and who are just in terms of their mind, they are 100% what Africa State of Mind is all about. Uh, I'm really excited. That's all I'm going to say. Our first guest is none other than Russell Simmons, who most people know as a hip hop cultural pioneer. And obviously, you know, um, Russell Simmons is also all about wellness and starting life from a, a place of stillness, you know, but another Another thing that he's also really known for is being a, a political advo- advocate, sorry, and also act- activist as well, as well as being somebody who really is aware of what it is that is happening within the world. He's a th- philanthropist too. So he's our first guest, Russell Simmons. He was in South Africa recently for the Liberty VUCA Knowledge Summit, and we got to have a conversation with him. We basically spoke a little bit about the comparisons between what's happening in America at the moment with regards to their government and the current administration and of course the parallel with what it is that's happening in South Africa at the moment with the current um, government and administration. Here's how the conversation went through. Africa State of Mind. Uh, Russell Simmons, welcome to Africa State of Mind. So awesome to have you here. Happy to be here. Yeah, so amazing. Um, so let's get straight into it. Um, you know, when you got to South Africa, you you made a comment about the um, the old South African flag and how people should not be waving it just because you will bring up old perks, even though you have seen something. And in America, there was also the whole situation with the Confederate flag that's right. been going on a, a lot. And then when you look at the presidency between the current American president and the SA um, president, there are a lot of um, similarities from the possible Russia connections we've had that happening in South Africa recently to um, just a large group of people in America supporting, you know, the American president, a large group in South Africa, and a large group being, you know, totally opposed. What do you feel about the state of leadership in the world today and how it reflects on society? Well, you need leaders who um, not only compromise, but understand the plight of all the people and are not divisive, but instead are inclusive. And I think we are suffering from a, a moment where people are so separated in their mindset and they haven't been able to listen to each other. Of course, we want a president, um, most of us, that is inclusive and going to promote um, real, real progress regarding race and regarding um, equity and regarding you know, freedom and justice for all. Right? That's a, a mantra that South Africa and America are carrying. But, not, but, but the presidents in these cases and the political parties in office seems um, are not as sophisticated about how to edu- how to deliver on that promise. And it's really um, challenging. You know, and if we see these alt-right movements happening all over the world, we see real uh, divisive and, and white supremacist mindsets evolving. So that's an American thing right now. There's uh, a white supremacist, a white male supremacist, women, Muslim, Jew, blacks, um, Latinos, all at risk when you have this kind of mindset. 
Um, and so that's what we're trying to not fight, but create something different. And we're looking for um, uh, this. This is actually happening, whether we like it or not. The census will remind you that people of color are going to be the majority in America, and they're going to pick a more uh, democratic, a uh, different democratic uh, government that is inclusive. And that's where we're going. You know, pendulum of justice is swinging forward, whether you see it or not. Uh, not only the census, but you, you got people unifying. Women are starting to see that they're in the same boat, right? They're being discriminated against, and they're not being their rights are not being protected. Uh, Muslims, for sure, there's Islamophobia in America that's huge. Uh, Jews, the anti-Semitism on a giant rise. So we see these threats. And um, and black certainly, the racism is, is seems like it never ended. It never ended, but it's growing so much. So with this reality, we know that we're bonding. At the Women's March, I saw people of all colors and walks of life who wanted justice, and people of goodwill who are not. I say white supremacists. I mean, there are many, many people of goodwill, every race, who are part of this new regime that's rising up against this uh, separatist attitude. And just the last question, with regards to Africa at the moment, um, you're obviously one of the pioneers in terms of culture globally. Uh, Africa seems to be doing well when you look at people like Lupita exploding and that sort of thing. Do you feel like that America specifically is ready to see the rise of like African fashion, African music, African in terms of popular culture and, and it being centered? Versus I being think that you're going to have a, a moment and America is going to be open to it. And they've been very difficult uh, always in culture. They've always exported their culture and not really imported a lot. But I think Africans have a great opportunity because black culture, black music runs America. And Africans are certainly black and creative. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Russell Simmons. Thank you for being on Africa State of Mind. You definitely you. are like the epitome of what a work mind is to that quote. Thank you. Thank you. Africa State of Mind. Some really amazing insights coming through from Russell Simmons. Really such an honor to have had him on this episode of Africa State of Mind. Now, my second guest I did mention was iconic too, right? You're not even going to believe this. So we basically also managed to catch up with Professor Wale Shoyinka while he was out at the Liberty VUCA Summit that was held in South Africa. Now, Professor Wale Shoyinka is one of the, the, the greatest minds, in my opinion, that have ever walked the earth. The way that he thinks things, the way that he he interrogates situations and the way that he's writing makes us uh, think about our lives and think about things in a different way. I mean, it's no surprise that he's a Nobel laureate, you know? So anyhow, he is on Africa state of mind and just the conversation we had with him, it was kind of like sitting down with an elder. I felt like we could have been sitting and having a cup of tea or, or that sort of thing and just gaining wisdom from him. I was able to really glean about his thoughts um, with regards to the way that Nigeria is perceived, you know, obviously, with regards to the what he thinks about African leadership and, and all of that. It really was fascinating. And, and he also is quite a funny guy. But take a listen to what it is that he had to say. Welcome to Africa State of Mind. Professor, you're mostly known for your literature, you know, um, and obviously growing up, you know, in Africa, a lot of Africans are exposed to a lot of voices in literature, you know, when it comes to schools and, and tertiary education, do you ever feel that there's ever going to be a point where in the West, you know, African literature is going to play as much as a role um, in their education system as what their, their um, kind of, you know, their literature has in Africa? No, I don't believe that. 
Well, the simple reason that we're all busy in the cultural lives, we're not supposed to be chauvinistic as human beings. And um, the history of intellection in the West has been more in which states, Western intellection as a priority, as a starting point. Go all the way back very formally from Greek civilization to history and so on, even the European So, happy so far to be between cultures is not deriving from a European sense of you're not going to get it on that house. What will happen will be an increasing process of decentralization, decanonization, where very interesting. And also just um, earlier on during your talk, you, you spoke about how you're not really a fan of Kindle, you made a joke about it and you know, of Kindle. Oh, Kindle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so obviously with let's say if you draw a comparison between literature and the music industry. So in music a lot of people have said that with the explosion of technology and the digital space and internet, there's been a blessing and a curse, so to speak. The blessing has been obviously more exposure, the curse has been a lot of record stores have shut down, and there's been piracy on a much higher level. You know. In terms of literature, how do you feel that technology um, has been a blessing and a curse, so to speak, to the world of literature? You remember, I said that even the internet can be and has proved itself both uh, an instrument that can be both negatively and positively. Yes. So this is true of all kinds of technological advances. Uh, and by the way, I just used Kindle as the generic term. Yes. And nothing is of just this electronic uh, instrument uh, 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 use of okay. Uh, and I was confessing straight away that me, when it comes to literature, I want my books to be on. But at the same time, I believe that the technology of literature should be continue evolving as fast as possible, as much as possible, until literature can even be deployed virtually, especially as long as we live in the atmosphere of not just censorship. But in some societies, literature is like a death. You know, to give examples, but the Americans use technology to defeat uh, the anti mind of the world. Obviously, uh, I will continue to consider technology as a person as an enhancer of the creative process and that applies for the design. Look at the architects, very often they use the internet, they use the and then they curve the line, and then the next moment they put the three dimensional object. This is a creative process. And I the one who's not very hot. It depends on the very So we cannot help these advances. And they are the 
society. Um, literature itself can be pastoralized uh, by instruments. Uh, but one of the buzzwords these days is false music. To have false literature, it's something that being attributed to a stolen identity for one sinister purpose or the other. So we must be prepared to counter, you know, with that's what possibly needed to counter the negative users, the Philistines, to really just change their instrumentation. And now, um, Professor, you are obviously you're from Nigeria, you're from Europe, you're from Europe, and you're quite outspoken with regards to what you've come to the face of Nigeria and the way that Nigerians have been perceived, you know. Um, especially, I believe when President Trump had made some commentary around, you know, Nigerians, and for me, it's quite mind-boggling because some of the greatest thinkers, you're an example, and some of the greatest musicians, you know, some of the greatest artists, you know, some of the greatest innovators have come from Nigeria, you know, and Nigeria has the highest amount of educated people that go out to the rest of the world. Why do you feel like there's this? You know, I know that on one hand we have that Islamophobia, you know, but I don't think it's, you know, why do you feel that it is that Nigeria is like a love relationship with the way that they're perceived globally? Is it because that as a country you are so powerful, or is it just playing not knowing the impact in a positive way that Nigeria has played um, on global culture? I think it's the same Experiments of some Nigerian scientists have been taken up in space class to see how those things, cultures, see how they function in space. So, why should we be astonished that uh, we also produce uh, some of the, uh, the greatest uh, organized uh, cooks in the world? It's merely, it's merely a kind of uh, genius going the wrong direction, and it's up to us to try and retrieve our character and direct it towards positive uses in society. But personally, when I hear of a Nigerian being jailed, for instance, for some kind of corruption, the first thing I want to know is, has he beaten other people at that game? If he has, then I say, well, let's go easy on that person. He chose that. He chose well. He chose that, and uh, he's doing well in it. Uh, as long as it doesn't affect me personally, I, I tend to feel, well, good. If they're going to be crooks, that's what you want to do. Prove that you can do it better than those other crooks. You're like, well done, sir. Well done. Um, and also just, you know, I'm from Uganda originally. I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but you know, with 
I found that President Museveni has been praising um, President Trump quite a lot and a lot of leaders who kind of have these kind of autocratic thoughts and who are kind of, you know, trying to control their countries and everything have been voicing out saying Trump is the best thing to have happened, you know? For you, which African president, past or present, would you most compare Trump to and why? Oh, we had a hung our governors and Trumps. <laughs> In fact, like one in Nigeria, one, one in particular, Ian Trump, they can easily change this. Nigerians won't be any worse or better for it. And uh, historically, yeah. in Nigeria, as president, I don't think but we've also had um, presidents who've been um, xenophobic opportunists. In other words, we in Nigeria. Guilty of identifying scapegoats. I remember one time when the government told the Indians to act out of Nigeria. It's standard. People always look for scapegoats when things are not going. They become the excuse, the reason. South Africa is guilty of the same thing. You can identify foreigners. Good them, you victimize them. In the case of Trump, what sickened me about the campaign was that he actually made a point of xenophobia. He identified Muslims, he identified even Nigerians, he identified Mexicans, with whom he did the war, and he was sickened to watch. And he said a lot about our society. And our society, our society has not yet evolved from its past. Things for the internal enslavement of its minorities. There are a lot of them. And I'm like that, it rhymes on that kind of rhetoric. That is the. It's a reflection on the society. It's a reflection on the society. And my last question. Because um, you know, I have a gene and everything. I've been to a few traditional weddings in Nigeria, so let me. <laughs> With regards to Yoruba, the, you know, Yoruba, uh, the culture and the language, you know, um, you know uh, currently in Nigeria, a lot of the indigenous languages are becoming extinct, you know, and this is a trend that's happening in Africa as well, as a whole. Do you, what do you think needs to be done with regards to the preservation of indigenous African languages? Well, the first thing is this, in Nigeria, that, that's not happening. Okay, so There's a lot of encouragement about in literature. Okay. There's a scientist from their prizes, in fact, which are being given for literature in indigenous languages. And I think that's a way to uh, encourage the continuing use of uh, indigenous languages. We adopted uh, not just Nigeria, in Africa. Where we found the Union of Writers of the African countries uh, decades ago, uh, with the help of President Senghor, one of the policies we adopted was that all works, excuse me, all works written in our language to translate it into the common African language. Okay. Thank you so much, Professor. It's been such an honor to have you on Africa's State of Mind. You're probably the great mind of Africa, so I feel like I feel like this podcast has now gotten its message. So to speak. Africa's State of Mind.
special thank you for listening to Africa State of Mind with Lee Kasumba. It's been an amazing episode and special, special thanks um, to both of my guests who I have the greatest respect for and just all that it is that they have done is definitely going to live beyond them. Their legacy is without a doubt secured. So thank you so much to Mr. Russell Simmons and also to Professor Wale Shoyinka. And thank you so much to all of you for engaging with us on our uh, social media platforms. Remember, you can send us a tweet at Africa State Mind or you can also um, join the Facebook family on Africa State of Mind and also just be sure to just keep engaging with us and letting us know what it is that you want to hear more of. Also, uh, yeah, tell your friends, subscribe, get part of the movement. Everybody who's amazing in the world already is. So yeah, just let your friends know that there is a whole new movement happening in Africa and we're going global. Africa State of Mind with Lee Kusumba. Thank you so much. Catch you next episode. Episode 8. I would say who the guests are, but you wouldn't believe me even if I said it. You're just going to have to come back and hang out with us. Signing out Africa State of Mind with Lee Kusumba. Africa State of Mind.